The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Welcome into Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys were courting OBJ and instead decided to put a ring on T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I think a lot of people were probably a little shocked by this one. And I'll I'll admit, when I got a little tip uh, that his agents were in the building here, I immediately got on the phone knowing his agents and made a couple of calls. And everyone said, how did you know about this? And, of course, I didn't say how. Uh, But apparently the folks I spoke to said we were trying to be covert about this. Uh, The discussion with T.Y. happened very quick, guys. Uh, The minute they got him in here, remember I brought up the conversation last week that if you truly want a free agent, you don't let him leave the building. Yep. Well, it sounds like they didn't let him (laughs) leave the building. He's been here since Monday in his workout. As he described the workout to me, T.Y. said he was really getting in his groove. He did a couple of moves. They said, we've seen all we need to see. Because I think the big question for everybody has been, well, if T.Y. is so great and ready to play, why hasn't he been on an active roster? And Haley, you were able to, to be there for a veil today, and he gave you an answer on that. But I think this is a great fit. We'll go around the table and discuss that in a second. But sort of your first impressions from your meeting with him. Yeah, I just think that he is a really down-to-earth guy. My favorite thing just about listening to him speak today was that he's ready to contribute however this team wants him to contribute. And I think that that's a really special quality for a guy who's coming in at the tail end of a season hoping to help this team be a Super Bowl contender. Um, and so to me, that was the most impressive part. He has been here for, what did he say, like 10 hours every day trying to learn the playbook, getting acclimated to the system and the way they play with Dak and all of that. And so I just find that to be impressive. And it, it, impressive in the sense of I'm not surprised because this is a guy who's a vet. He's, you know, racked up the mileage, so to speak, in this industry. Um But, yeah, I just think that he's going to be a really good fit. He walked into the locker room with a big old smile and was very polite to, you know, our fantastic group of beat reporters who can be a little bit overwhelming at times. And so I just think I think he's a good fit. I think he's going to slide right in. I think he has no issues contributing as like that third guy coming in as insurance, which might have been a concern with OBJ. So I'm curious to see how he works into the lineup and if we get to see him on Sunday because I know you asked and Mike was very coy. <laughs> well, look, it's going to take some time to get up to speed sure. on the playbook. I think it makes more sense that you're going to see him against the Eagles. And how interesting that Nick Sirianni was once his offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Now he's the head coach uh, of the Eagles. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's one element of this, right? It gives you some insight into their playbook. Obviously that offense... You know, we'll get into some of Micah Parsons' uh, thoughts on the podcast uh, last. Well, I guess it was this week about Jalen Hurts, uh, but yeah, the you know playbooks change, uh, coaching changes. But I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, as you were talking about, this guy does not need to come in and, and be C.D. Lamb. That's not necessarily what they're looking for. They want C.D. to be that guy at his age. It makes more sense than even bringing in an aging OBJ. I'm not taking anything away from OBJ's skill set. We've talked about this for the mm-hmm. last two weeks. If OBJ could have come in here, run a route, they would have written him a check. And Absolutely. Jerry still covets it. I don't believe this is just Jerry keeping his name in the news. But I think it says a lot to you guys that Cole Beasley 
comes out of retirement plays for the Bills. The Bills desperately (laughs) needed a wide receiver. The Giants desperately need a wide receiver. But that tells you everything you need to know. The Cowboys weren't the only ones who had concerns about the availability of OBJ. And also with with T.Y., I think he can be a little bit of a Jason Peters here. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, he can he can help these young guys come along a little bit, but he can play multiple spots in the field, and that's going to draw coverage away from CeeDee Lamb and help get him open. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also, too, you, you said all the good stuff. Uh, Kellen mentioned him being – y'all did. Like, y'all did it. But uh, Kellen mentioned him still having, you know, wheels. Like, he was like, he still can run, and that's a big part of his game. We've talked about multiple times that that's something that we felt like this Cowboys offense was missing. Also, too, this is my big thing with T.Y., is that I find him very QB friendly. And right now, your quarterback and all the disguises they're throwing at him, the, a lot of zone defenses are throwing at him, you need a guy that is experienced and understands the field and can find the soft spot. And that's also why Dalton Schultz went busy on that last drive because he just he understands how to sit in a soft spot, sit in the zone, and be available for his, 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 his quarterback. And some of these younger guys are still learning that. They're still learning that. So you have a guy that comes in here that's QB friendly, is going to fight back to the ball when your quarterback's scrambling, and he will be in the right place at the right time. And that's half the battle. So I'm excited about the addition and hope it, hopefully it pays dividends for them moving forward. He and talked about that today, too, as well, just about coming in and being the veteran leadership for the guys and being able to help, you know, teach them because – the wide receiver room here is very young. So it's interesting you point that out. Thank you. And not only that, too, but it's beneficial for him because go back to when we were talking about OBJ and the medical staff here and the things that they're able to do for these players. It makes sense for him to come in off of injury. And Christy had talked about it on Monday, how before some of his injuries were more lower body. This is a more upper body uh, injury that he's coming off of. And so for him, it makes sense to come to this renowned medical staff to get him in full health and make sure he not only, and Mike McCarthy stresses this all the time, is healthy now, but healthy for the long term going forward. And so I think it's an investment for him and his career for however long he wants to take it as that. And so it makes sense for him. It makes sense for the the Cowboys locker room and that veteran presence and I'm so glad you made the comparison Jason Peters we said that on Monday um I, I think somebody like T.Y. could really bring out you know what's missing per se from CeeDee Lamb of being the wide receiver one he can show him the ropes and he was that guy at one point so what Absolutely. better guy to show you than the guy that was that person at one point so I think CeeDee Lamb could really really reek the benefits of having T.Y. in the locker room. And then you have up-and-coming Noah Brown, who just came off of the game he had. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine the impact he's going to have. And um, it's one of those things you don't get to see, per se, but you see it on the field. And so I'm excited to see that. I think it was a sneaky good signing. Again, I don't think it was necessarily what everyone wanted, but I think it's what the team needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When we we think about this this T.Y. signing and – you know, look, I think you brought up an interesting point there. I think Amari Cooper helped build up the confidence of the guys in the mm-hmm. wide receivers room. And I think that's what's sort of been lacking. I think maybe they've been leaning on Dak for some of that. I think we've heard – I had an interesting conversation with Mark Sanchez mm-hmm. about coaching up young guys and how Mark had said in his discussions with Dak, it typically takes like four out of boys before you give him a criticism. And I think that for that unique position, you sort of need that guy in the room every week mm-hmm. that's coaching them up uh, on that level. And then you bring up uh, – it sort of jogged my memory as I was sort of doing some research on T.Y. this week. You know, he almost considered staying away from football after that last injury because it was kind of a weird one. Uh, made him really worried about his long-term health. And of mm-hmm. all guys, it was Andrew Luck 
who essentially came to him and sort yeah. of pulled him out of retirement. And he talked about that today. There were other teams that were interested in him, but, he but this go. was just the right team, the right time. And by the way, at minimum, he's walking out of here with a $600,000 paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Team-friendly deal. That's what the Cowboys ultimately wanted with OBJ. I don't know what, again, I don't know what to make of Jerry continuously saying OBJ's name. I think there's going to be some other options in free agency and through the draft next year. I, I just wonder if the OBJ thing is ever going to actually happen for Dallas. My gut instinct is that it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's tricky because he's a guy that you don't want to let slip away. I mean, I think we've had that conversation so heavily on this show and just in the building. But it's tricky because you've got to think about the long-term health of this team and the future of this team and what that looks like and what are you I was just having this uh, conversation with my dad the other day. You know, like what are you willing to give up or to sacrifice to get an OBJ in the building? Is OBJ worth not having Tony Pollard back? Is OBJ worth losing CeeDee Lamb potentially? You know, these are, or even on the defensive side, you know, sacrificing some of that defensive depth that has been so essential to this year. What are you willing to do for OBJ? He's very good. He's very good. I personally don't know that there's much I would love to give up from a star power standpoint from this roster to bring him in to look at next year. I think if it works out, it works out, right? I, I think you focus more on what's working this year. You have those conversations postseason, whenever that may be, um, for this team. And so you have those conversations. You look at the laundry list of free agents that the Cowboys have to worry about uh, leaving at some point and more than that, replacing. I mean, you're talking having another kicker batter kicker battle potentially uh, at the end of this season Brett Maher a free agent you have Noah Brown you have Tony Pollard you know big names that have made a tremendous impact this season so far and so I think if you can get all those guys you know your ducks lined up with them although we know free agency doesn't always work uh, in the way you want it to you're going to lose guys if it works out after you get the guys that you're able to retain post free agency sure get an OBJ but where it stands right now especially with T.Y. How does he fit in? Because we also haven't seen James Washington. Keep in mind, he just made his debut. How is he going to ramp up, and what are we going to see out of him? That's another question mark we don't really know much about yet. Where does where does Odell fit in this now that you have T.Y.? James is on the up and up. You have Noah Brown, who made his, uh, I don't want to call it a comeback game, but made his debut known again, you know, after kind of being silent after Michael Gallup came back. You have Michael Gallup, but I mean... Where does he fit in at this point? I think the question is, where does James Washington I, fit in? Because I, I know you're a fan of him, and I hope that That's you my pet prove, cat. I know he's your pet <laughs> cat, and I hope you prove me wrong on this. But if that was his game to come back from, and the fact that they literally signed a veteran wide receiver after I mean, a game against yeah. one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the league, in the Texans, who had one yeah. win, their frustration, I think, was the fact that you know 27 points was the fewest points they'd scored since Week 7. There were the miscues. Now, some of this, and I appreciate Dak holding himself accountable. Remember, he talked to us, sure. what was it, last week or the week before, that he'll be the first to say he wants people to tell him when I've messed up. Even he was shocked that he's got nine interceptions now in his last eight games. In fact, I think one of the more concerning stats was in my NFL research packet. On passes of 20 yards or more, he's two of nine in his last three games. So I don't know what's going on with the deep ball, but that's essentially why. Like, he's throwing – 
behind some of these guys, you know, and so I are, are throwing in front of them and the guys aren't getting, they talked about the importance of getting precise routes and where they're breaking and making sure that the angles are more precise. And so I think that's why ultimately you needed to get a veteran like T.Y. in here who's got to learn the playbook, but at least has enough knowledge not dissimilar from an Amari Cooper to come here and help this offense because they have been struggling. Yeah. And I guess my biggest concern about James Washington is, and it may not be fair, it's just I keep looking at what he did with the Steelers What's going to give me with Ben Roethlisberger of all people? What's he going to do here in Dallas? But again, maybe he'll come you along, and I hope back, he does. You know, you we talk sometimes, poor Cooper, Jess. Though. Like we talk sometimes about your penalties, and then your penalties are a big deal. So you know, what? I hope I'm eating crow on James James Washington for him and for the wide receiver room and for you. And well, and I think too, you can go back to the Amari Cooper comparison because how productive was Amari Cooper before coming to Dallas? That's a that's not bad. So that's it's, not a, I'll give you a point on that one. It's one of those things where you won't know until you see it. And I think with the way the Cowboys have been nursing injuries and more importantly, nursing injuries when players return, not just giving them this full load, they give them that time to ramp up. I don't think you're going to see a peak James Washington until honestly Eagles game, if not postseason. But yeah. that's what's concerning at camp to me, is what concerned yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just it's just tough because it's like it almost feels like too little too late. And I know that with James Washington, the most frustrating part is that it's nobody's really fault. Right. You know, right. it's he's a victim of circumstance. And unfortunately, this is a league that doesn't really care about your circumstance. It cares about productivity. And so unfortunately, I think what you see with James Washington, you know, not that Sunday was going to be like his end all be all like this right. is your debut or your your audition to stay in this room. But the reality is very similar to what we talked about with OBJ. The Cowboys want to win now. And I don't know how they feel James Washington can help contribute to that. And I, like you just said, I think it was that was kind of determined by bringing in a T.Y. Hilton because just like the OBJ conversation and having James Washington come back and that was going to kind of be the not decider, but to give some context of what they actually needed. I mean, I think he was maybe targeted three times, but yeah. Wow. And then the next guy is Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with that? Well, I talked. <laughs> I talked to him. I talked to him very early in the year and touched base with him, and because um, I was very high on Jalen coming out mm-hmm. of college, so I got some information from him. And, and this offense is not the easiest to learn. It is not, and that's a, one thing I wanted to comment in regard to some of Dak Prescott's uh, interceptions and stuff. I, some of the interceptions, there are instances where he's making mistakes, but some of them also too are scheme. They're, they're guys running the same routes. It's guys not being in the right spot. It's there's some miscommunication and some stuff going on between them. Also, these defenses are that's, some, uh, that's something that's happening as well. Is that Dak is becoming known for what he does at the line of scrimmage and how much he moves, how much he shifts things, what teams are doing. They're they're disguising coverages and changing them post snap. And so he's having to adjust to that feel or whatever. I, it took him, you know, throughout this past game to figure it out. But once he gets it, he gets it. But this is something that we are starting to see trickle down as people are like, we know you can beat us at the line of scrimmage. We're going to make you beat us post-snap. And this is another tick in his game. He's going to – I'm sure he's going to answer the call for. I want to stop you there so we can take our first break. But I want to get into that because did you guys catch the comment from Mike McCarthy talking about how he thinks – Jacksonville should scheme things up defensively based on their last two games. Oh, yeah. He was talking about the... uh... Hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's talk about the other (laughs) side of the break because I think that that was really, really interesting. Is it blueprint? It's a... I don't think it is. Nah. I'll give my thoughts on it. You guys wait for your thoughts on it. We'll talk about that after this first break. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. 
At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott, who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Jess? Snag your Christmas gifts while enjoying festive sips during the Christmas Sip and Stroll in the Star District on December 15th. Enjoy holiday tastings, Christmas music, and photo moments, exclusive shopping offers, complimentary gift customization, carolers, hot cocoa, and much, much more during our Sip and Stroll featuring 15-plus participating shops and restaurants. Visit thestardistrict.com to get your ticket. All right, guys, I picked up on something as I was prepping for this game this week to sort of give you an idea of of how I get going for the week uh, ahead of Sundays. You know, I do a bunch of going through the notes, going through the sound, and there was just something that Mike McCarthy said that sort of stood out to me this week when he was talking about the way Houston played them. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Aisha, because you really sort of get into the nitty-gritty of the film. My eyes are sort of everywhere as a reporter. I don't know if that's you too, Haley. Because we have so many questions to ask post-game. It's like, just to peel the curtain back, I will literally do my post-game interview, and I will have three questions for three different position players. And so you never know where you're going to go, but you've got to keep up with how does this storyline relate to this particular player. So sometimes it's kind of maddening at the end of the game. But you really zone in on the film. And Mike McCarthy said that they were playing a different type of zone coverage than they had seen before. And even remember when he talked about Lovey Smith last week. This is a coach that he's played more games against. And the other thing that I loved was he said, you've got to be careful with Houston, despite their record, ball security. They do really good with it. That seemed to be the theme of the game. So it's it Mike knew all of this going into the game. And they still made them really work for this until that 98-yard drive at the end of the game with less than three to go. So when you looked at this, what kind of looks were they giving from a zone perspective? And then he went a step further and he said, if I was Jacksonville's defensive coordinator, I'd be doing vision coverage based on the last two games. What does Mike mean by that? Uh, I mean, I'm still learning, y'all. 
like I'm still learning so I but the way that it was explained to me is that when you play vision defense and the way that it is is that these guys are just guys, and they played they played a lot of cover too so you got two safeties and they would just act like they were running something they looked like they were in a cover one they dropped into a cover two there was a um actually there was a play where the safety just came out of nowhere and Dak didn't see him like they disguised a lot of coverages they showed something different they would show cover two or they would show cover one, they drop into a cover two. They also, Christy talked about quarters, and that means that you have, you know, you have people on both sides. Of, yeah, everywhere. So sideline to sideline, they were difficult to get around. But these DBs were just biting on everything because with with vision defense, it's just get to your spot and look for the ball. Turn around, look for the ball, find the ball. And that makes it easier on you know, like, uh, I guess these are, I would call them ball-hawking DBs. You had a lot of ball-hawking DBs out there. So, also, this the way that this receiver core is working, the way that this, that Kellen designs receiving uh, passing plays, a lot of these guys are put in positions where they have to win on their own, where they have to win their matchup. And when you do that and you're not, like, consistently just scheming these guys open it's easier for these guys to bite on it because we've talked about how much separation are these receivers getting and so when you pair that with not that much separation and vision defense you're going to get a lot of tip balls you're going to get a lot of that and that's what happened with Dak in 11 and there was tipped yeah and there was and they got their hands on a lot of balls but also too we talked about the pressure as well that was coming you know during this game as well but that to me is a big part of it it's not just Dak Prescott, it's also how do we put them in better positions to not keep making these mistakes, running the same routes, being in the same areas, and things like that. So how do you fix it? If he's essentially saying, that's what I would do, he's sort of, I look at it as a little bit of a bait and switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stick to that, but we are going to change things up a little bit offensively this week. How would you change things up offensively? I mean, what is the answer? Well, I'm still, again, I'm still learning, but I think a good start is a T.Y., I think a if good he can start, play on yeah, on I Sunday, mean a, yeah. a good start right now is a Ty, a guy that understands how to sit again, sit in a zone and be where he's supposed to be. But then also too, um, he's also a guy that at, when he was at when he can play, if he's healthy, if he's the guy we hope he is, he can get open by himself. And that to me really changes the rest of the receiving core and how they operate. And then you saw Dalton Schultz start to come alive this game, and it was because of the amount of zone. So um, I, I, I would start there from here, and maybe I'll have more answers tomorrow. I don't know about you guys. I always love teeing her up sometimes I because yeah. I learn. I was just We're all taking notes. Even, after, like, even after covering this game, I, you know, like I always tell people, I've learned the X's and O's over the years, but I'm a news and information person. But, the, but it's so much easier to be good at news and information when you know what to look for and ask better questions. So I always appreciate your insight on here, I'm Aisha. And, and I love that – I always love somebody who can also say, I'm still learning. Yeah. That's why a lot yeah. of times when I'm in the locker room and I'm asking these guys, I'm like, hey, I've got a dumb question for you because I am still learning. So I hope that our listeners, as they have stuck with us on this podcast, they sort of walk away and are learning alongside some of us. Yeah. Haley, what were some of your thoughts this week when you look at this offense and, you know, how do they get into a little bit more of a rhythm? <laughs> I've thought about this a lot, and I feel like Sunday's game is such a blur because it we spent so much time like sitting on the edge of our seat waiting yeah. for the Cowboys to show up to the game, and so it I spent so much time analyzing that, that last drive and what made it effective and bringing in Jason Peters just as a spark. And while I don't think that's like a long term move, I, I just think they needed a spark. And but why not? 
He's, do you trust Josh he, Ball over Jason Peters at I, right tackle? Please. I don't, but I just think <laughs> Jason Peters is – he's – old and I hate saying that because I'm not trying to dog him for who he is but there is certain things that as we get older we can do less right and we can still be good at them but we can't be good at them at the capacity of which we have been throughout our career and so I think it was great that he was able to get in there and you know step up for his team I think that proved his value to you know a fan base or even you know reports of why they brought him in so I thought that that was fantastic for him but I mean Mike even talked about it like he he's an older guy they don't know if the he can do 70 plus snaps at that position but saying that as I was thinking about it more I was like you know oh like Jason Peters was that spark it kind of feels like that's kind of what the offense always needs is a spark because it feels like when this team plays when they're playing well they need something almost like to motivate them is kind of how it feels. And so to your point, bringing in a T.Y. Hilton to add that extra layer, to add that extra incentive to have more offensive firepower, I think that that is a benefit. But really it just comes down to, they talk about it all the time, but the focus. I really think that the focus is something as Mm -hmm. simple as it is. That's got to be the emphasis. I mean, like the fact that we're asking Dak Prescott about these interceptions, like the volume at which he is throwing interceptions. I don't yep. care how aggressive you want to play. There's a difference between playing aggressively Absolutely. and playing smart. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the excuse of I want to be aggressive is fine, but I don't want you to be aggressive when you're backed up into the end zone and you're trying to throw these aggressive balls when Michael Gallup is double covered and you're trying to force that in there. To me, that's not aggressive. That's not smart. Not smart. It's not everyone's <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. Like we've seen Patrick yeah. Mahomes play street ball and sort of improvise out there. And I'm not taking anything away from, neither. from Dak Prescott because – not every quarterback can do what he did on that 98-yard play. Absolutely. You know, I think to your point when you talk about Spark, I think Tyron Smith really helps. But did you catch the nugget from Mike McCarthy today when he said Tyron Smith's been playing some left tackle and left guard? I thought that mm. was interesting. Yeah. Wait, like, what? why throw that out there? Well, if he said that, then that that's going to that, – Because we yeah, keep – me a little excited because right, we <laughs> Tyler we, over the right Remember, tackle. we kept being told, right, that, that yep. well, we kept it's, – it's interesting. And, and even when we were talking about what positions people were playing on the line, he said, I think I'm going to wait this one out till Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think I can get by with it. So I, I'm going to be curious to see if that offensive line is how we're all sort of grading it out as we think it will be, mm-hmm. or if they're going to throw something else at us. That's a good point that you made in regard to him being a little older or whatever the case may be, too, because when he's he's playing a totally different position. So we already know that with a lot of the rules and stuff, like offensive lines, not, not they don't get a whole, whole bunch of time. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, he is an older guy. Mike McCarthy definitely kind of uh, splits up how much time in practice they're getting during the week. He learning an almost new position would have to have that practice time again going into your point about him having fresh legs moving into the rest of the season I'm I'm concerned about that part as well and is you, that he is older Go you ahead. also have to remember the brunt of the hits that your O-line takes throughout every single game and practice that's why their bodies don't hold up as well as other positions maybe do and so with that too you know Haley to your point like you had said 
it's an age thing, but it's also you can want to do all the snaps and you can want to play the full game in its entirety, but is your body going to hold up? That's it, You can't decide that. That's really, it's a product of circumstance, like you said earlier. You can't decide how well your body is going to hold up when you've been playing as long as you have. And especially, I guess what worries me with shifting him around at the drop of a hat, even though he's a veteran and he can do that, is that's breaking muscle memory and... Could it open up a door a little bit more for a potential injury at that point? That's what worries me a little bit with it. But also, the versatility you have within your O-line still, despite the loss of Terrence Steele, is pretty incredible when you think about it. I mean, you have three future Hall of Famers within that O-line. It's it's a shame, and the Cowboys are doing themselves a disservice if they're not playing to the full extent that they can with this O-line. It is fascinating. They're moving guys across this line because I just remember a couple of years ago when we were toying with the idea of of Zach Martin moving over to the left side. And we talked so much and I did reports on how different the right side is with mm-hmm. just your footwork, your vision, things along those lines. And yet we're doing it in game. I mean, my interview and I, Patrick also talked with him when I was there. How did that whole thing come to be and it's like it's stuff that goes into his hall of fame like his portfolio (laughs) and it's fascinating i'm little sidebar here when shireen williams you know she gets a vote in the hall of fame they literally put together these huge binders and they go and they make a case for each player each year and uh, who was it charles haley i think she spent several years trying to get him in the hall of fame but i think that game against the texans is going to be a part of that binder because he described it terrence still goes out Josh balls in. You see the Texans get their hand on Dak. Then he throws an interception. And internally, he's going, I need to go in there. But he hasn't played since 2005. You'd have to literally go back all the way to the Buffalo Bills to find tape when he played that position. But as he said to me, he thought in his head at that moment, no, you don't want to be the reason we lose this game. And simultaneously, the offensive line coach, Joe Feldman, (laughs) walking towards him and says, you're going in. And it was able to sustain that line. And then when I asked him, I said, are you prepared to continue to play? He said, if that's what it takes for us to get to Arizona, yeah. And so I actually don't have a problem with Jason Peters there. I actually think we haven't put a lot of uh, tread on his tires here in Dallas Mm -hmm. where I think that he's had enough time to get acclimated. I think he's had enough rest on his body. I am concerned with, you know, we talk about Mike McCarthy easing up on the practice schedule. They're going to have a padded practice tomorrow. Today was a walkthrough. I don't know how many live reps necessarily he's getting um, out there to sort of get his body to your point, the muscle memory and the conditioning. But I'm sorry, as I sit here right now after seeing what I just saw from Josh Ball in the Texans game, I feel good with Jason Peters. Yeah, we did talk about that in the press box. Just the, not risk-reward, but, you know, if it came down to a Josh Ball or a Jason Peters, like I think... I lean more Jason, but it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I think I feel like too, I have PTSD because of all of these offensive linemen are like getting banged up and it's yeah. like now the worst time that I don't want to say Jason Peters is like our last hope, but I, at the same time, it's like, Oh, Not too I don't much. want something to happen to but him. Hey, credit yeah. to Joe Philbin and Mike yeah, McCarthy. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that this is the first team to go back to back double digit win seasons, given all of the injuries, not to just like, we're talking big players. Like, we're talking starting players. You've lost your two starting corners. You lost your starting left tackle. You lost your quarterback. Your two wide receivers took forever to come along. Now you've lost 
who would have thought we we're talking about Terrence Steele the I'm way we're talking yeah. about him? Last year, it was in, everyone was incredulous the way this offseason, I'll never forget at Combine, listening to Mike McCarthy and these guys sing the praises of Terrence Steele. But th- when you lost Tyron Smith, you thought the sky was falling. You got a rookie in Tyler Smith that's done so well. So, But this team hasn't gone back-to-back 10-win seasons since 2005-2006. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable. So, yeah. And as much as we've knocked him about their free agency— Look at bringing in some of these guys like the Malik Hookers, the mm-hmm. Jason Peters, how timely. they've been able to get through without big splashes. So there's your attaboy for the Cowboys and the front office <laughs> for what they've been able to do. Let's go ahead and scout a little bit of this Jacksonville team. Of course, we'll really deep dive into them tomorrow and we'll get some more locker room sound. Not a lot there uh, today. And then we'll give you an updated injury report when we come back. But don't sit on these Jacksonville Jags, particularly Trevor Lawrence, who hasn't been, I don't think he's thrown an interception in his last five games, which mm-hmm. is wild. Uh, we've got more of that coming up. It's Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the preferred dating app of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. It's Smoothie King's original angel food and new angel food slim without added sugar. You no longer have to choose between treating yourself and hitting your goals this summer. You don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great. Because at Smoothie King, every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups. So you can satisfy your cravings without compromise. The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Jess. In case you missed it, Cowboys Nation, a new game day staple has just arrived. Introducing the Cowboys and True Brand hats. Head to the nearest pro shop or log on to shop.dallascowboys.com, a fanatics experience, to get your favorite style today. All right, let's talk about this uh, Jacksonville Jags team. They are not the Jags team that we've come to know in the last couple of seasons. Uh, last year, an absolute failure. During the talk, uh, the break, we were talking. I was there at Trevor Lawrence's Pro Day and covered that one. And so impressed with him just as a person, the way that Clemson talked about him and the way that he led. This was a guy I was told that when he came to Clemson, most quarterbacks typically say, when am I going to start? Never ask the question. And the way he handled all that stuff with Urban Meyer last year and all of the stories that came out after. And Doug Peterson is easily one of my favorite coaches in the league. So glad to see him uh, doing what he's doing in Jacksonville. But Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown a pick in his last five starts. Uh, five wins for the Jags this season, their most since 2019. 
Uh, they've got all sorts of players on their team. Uh, Christian Kirk tied for second most red zone touchdowns in the uh, in the NFL. And the Jags are 3-0 and when Zay Jones has 70 or more receiving yards. So just some fun facts uh, as we talk about the Cowboys. Uh, when Trayvon Diggs has one or more interceptions, going back to 2020, the Cowboys are, uh, let's see, they are 13-2. and So you need at least one interception uh, from Trayvon Diggs going up against a guy who hasn't thrown a pick in his last five starts. What stands out to you guys about the play of Trevor Lawrence? And when we look at this defense who... I mean, last week, we weren't seeing the defense that we were used to, and it was particularly against a team uh, which, by the way, was caught off guard by the alternating quarterbacks, uh, the Houston Texans game. Like, that was some next-level game planning by Lovey Smith. Oh, they said he said he threw everything at them. It was next-level, but— They had nothing to lose. I mean, I I literally was like— now come on, y'all! You like, know, like for real, Driscoll. You know what's funny? Is now he's on the fifty-three. A lot, <laughs> a lot of Texans fans, and uh, I had a guest on one of the podcasts I do with Blog and the Boys. They talked about how the the Texans were taking this as their Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, it was serious. They were they were dead set on beating the Cowboys. This was Almost their Super it. Bowl. Their, this was their Super Bowl. This was the equivalent of as close as they're going to get to their version of the Super Bowl. So yeah, they had nothing to lose, but they had everything to gain out of out of potentially winning it and yeah they almost did have it well you asked what we saw from trevor lawrence and um, what we see from him i i just see a guy figuring it out like he also has a coaching staff i think press taylor's doing a really good job with getting him comfortable early in games with just short passes and they're not afraid to show off his arm either he they also went out and got some talent from him like we were just talking about with the um christian kirk and some of these guys like they brought in guys they also have a couple of running backs who can get after it their offensive line is not the best at run blocking but they can pass block their tail off so again this defensive line last game didn't get a whole bunch of pressure oddly because they were getting the ball out hopefully you put Trevor in situations where he has to sit back there a little longer and give your guys a chance because some of the last week was just there the d-line was not able to really get set to get pressure and they were able to get passes on the outside because of the lack of pressure there I just, I like that Trevor has always been Trevor. Trevor. Yeah. Like, I think when he was at Clemson, he was very easily a superstar, and that has translated, and it's unfortunate that he went into the dumpster fire that has been the Jaguars for so long, but like you said, I think he's just figuring it out. Like, this is a guy who's coming off of dropping 368 yards, three touchdowns through the air, Say and it. one on the ground <laughs> against a Titans team that is, you know, yeah. supposed to be this fantastic, and not that they're not fantastic, but... And there, yeah, in Tennessee, Tennessee. yeah. So I just think he's really figuring it out. I think now he's starting to utilize weapons, very similar to how the Cowboys are operating. You know that it wasn't going to be something that happened overnight when it came to figuring out how the offense was going to run or you know whatever it is. But I just think he's so poised. That was something that has always impressed me about him. Like even going back to Clemson, he's always just been so poised. He never gets rattled, which is it's such a crazy thing to me as a quarterback, a young quarterback, being in that scenario where you're constantly losing, you're not being set up for success, and it's never affected him. So for me, I know that we've talked a lot about, you know, that Colts game, the Texans game, and this game kind of being the easier part of the schedule. But as this has gone on, it this game kind of terrifies me a little bit because mm-hmm. you've, very similar to the Texans, you've got a team that really 
not that they don't have something to lose, but now all of a sudden they're in postseason conversations. They're in a conference that is a little bit more competitive than what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. And you're playing the Cowboys. This is a matchup that doesn't happen very often. So I just think this one has the recipe. We've been saying trap game for the last four weeks. But I really think that this one has a recipe of we can't have those interceptions we just talked about with Dak. We can't have the miscommunications that we've had on both sides of the ball as of late because this is a team that has proven time and time again that it doesn't matter how far they're down. They've they've found a way to rally back. So this to me is – well, I was going to say, it's, I love that you brought some of that up, that yep. when we look at the schedule, sometimes your record doesn't always reflect how good of a team you <laughs> I are. I got it written okay. down to say, don't let, this is right. Okay, so this is a 5-8 and eight team. They're second in the AFC South. AFC South is the AFC South, right? Yep. <laughs> but let's look at their win uh, week two, came against Indi- Indianapolis. They shut out the Colts, 24-0. Then they go to the Chargers, beat them 38-10. All right. But then let's look at that. They went to Philly October 2nd. If I asked you guys what you think the score of that game is. Oh, I remember that game. What would you guys say? I remember that it's, game. It's probably close. It's probably about a three-point. It was three, a one-point game, wasn't it? A one-point game. Well, they, they ended up losing that game. It was, they lost 21-29. Okay. okay. But at one like, point, it was a one-point game. Right. And it was played, very... the Eagles, played the Eagles close, all right? So let's go look at another game. The Giants were pretty formidable this year, right? Uh, let's go week seven, October 23rd. Lost that one, 17-23. Now let's go. Their other win was against Vegas, 27-20. In a game that they were trailing 17 nothing. I okay. want to throw that out there. Yeah. Say it. Okay. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, how'd they play them? Well, 17-27. Okay. Yeah. This isn't a this isn't a team that's laid down is my point. They beat Baltimore 28-27. Uh at Detroit they lost 14 to 40, so they got just destroyed. I mean, how about the Lions and Dan I don't Campbell? Talk about They're getting good. I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> and then we talked about this this win on the road against the Titans 36-22. So my point in, in saying all of this is they've they're not a terrible team. Yeah. I mean, defensively they're they're in a bottom of a lot of categories or mid of the pack. Uh, they're sort of mid of the pack uh, when it comes to the offense, but when I look heart. at well, when I look at the last two games from the Cowboys, Haley shouldn't sleep on this one. No, and I'm telling you, like that is what has been scary. Is you know, like even with that Colts game, it wasn't until the fourth quarter that you were like, okay, like, right, we can do this. And then now, last week, it's the last minute, two minutes of the game, or whatever it is that you're like, okay, we can do this. And so it's just it's. It's a formidable matchup because, as we've said so many times, and as Mike McCarthy has said so many times, like it's difficult to get wins in this league. And I think if the last two weeks have proven anything, I know that Cowboys have dropped in rankings, and there's been chatter about them being frauds or whatever it is. But I think this is the part of that schedule where you go, no, like it is difficult to get wins. And this is another team where last week I really enjoyed how much they talked about being focused. I don't know that that was executed as well as it could have been on Sunday so I'm interested to see if that talk gets backed up with going on the road again and and going to Jacksonville and kind of proving that out Jane real quick who did they play before last week and what was the score of that Detroit okay and 1440. Okay. So um, it's interesting because Peterson talked about that was the embarrassment of the year is what he said in his press conference was that specific game, but they bounced back to beat Tennessee as we know, but the, that's the first time they've beat Tennessee 
in Tennessee since 2013. So that was a big win for them for more, the, more reasons. They uh, Very much so, very exactly. Cowboys-esque, coming back from Green Bay to come back and then beat Minnesota like they did. That was the same kind of comparison from the the lost or yeah the loss to the lions to their win against the titans so i just wanted to make that comparable real quick also you know it's very interesting is you, <laughs> you look at i i listen to these head coaches every week and and how they talk about their players and what they're working with and some are easier to listen to than others, I, I will say that. But what I really, really appreciated about listening to Doug Peterson talk about Trevor Lawrence was he said that basically they're now establishing this communication. They established the communication, but more than importantly, he knows Trevor now. He knows what works for him. He knows what he likes, and he knows what he has confidence in within the offensive scheme. And so he's playing up on their strengths. What's funny enough, defensively, and we can get more into this tomorrow, but uh, he was asked about the Cowboys' O-line and said, and they said, well, there's rotation. Tyron Smith could be coming back. What do you make of that? And he said, quote, we've got answers for that. So well, remember, Doug Peterson has a lot of familiarity with this Cowboys team, having yep. played in the division. Now he's got a losing record against the Cowboys, uh, four and six as the Eagles head coach. He's one and one against Mike McCarthy. But, you know, I think that they're sort of figuring things out. And I just keep going yep. back to that remarkable Super Bowl run by the Philadelphia Eagles when Doug Peterson had not one but two quarterbacks. Uh, that helped him get there. And so I love seeing him work with a young Trevor Lawrence. And like I said, just a little bit of a little appetizer for you guys. We'll really sort of deep dive into this matchup tomorrow. And, of course, we'll have more locker room sound. I think it's going to be interesting. Are we going to hear from Dak tomorrow since we didn't hear from him today? I would we have... should. Yeah, locker room today was interesting schedule today. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, it's just hard because those guys, their schedule is so mixed up. And then, you know, they don't really want to talk because they're all over the place. So, um I'm trying to think who I even spoke to. I spoke to CD a little bit, just off to the side, just common chatter. Um, but yeah, they were all just. It felt more like a Monday today, I think, than it did a Wednesday. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, the schedule's sort of interesting today. But I will be uh, after they've had a couple of days to look at the tape. I am just curious their thoughts because we talk about that sort of sluggish start. Poor Cavante Turpin, man, right out of the gate, it seemed to like sort of set the tone. It felt like Murphy's Law in that game. Anything yep. that could go wrong did, and they came out with a number of injuries. We don't have an injury report today yet uh, because the schedule was a, was a little bit messed up, but we do have some updates on some of the guys. As we said, uh, we've got Terrence still heading to IR. Jonathan Hankins Jonathan is Hankins, on IR. IR. But the thing with Hankins is that they are expecting him to hopefully be back for the playoffs, so that's a positive. Yep. Obviously, Terrence won't be here, but then they also signed a cornerback uh, yeah. right as we were coming in here, so... Yep. A guy from Arizona. So, so we'll get into a little bit more of that tomorrow. Then we'll also sort of talk playoff scenarios. Uh, mm-hmm. Cowboys win and end, but then there's also some other situations that, with a little bit of help, they could find themselves there. And I'm really looking forward uh, to the Seahawks 49ers game on Thursday night football tomorrow night. That should Brock be a good Purdy one. To Brock the moon. Purdy. How about Brock <laughs> Purdy? All right. Well, that's going to do it for Girls Talk, uh, Boys Talk. But we also, like I said, we'll have matchups. And Jess has been doing a lot of homework for us on some of the playmakers that we need to be keeping an eye on uh, if you are a Cowboys fan. So tune in tomorrow. We appreciate you tuning in today. And we'll catch you next time. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!